Hello, Second Bananas listeners. This is Joe. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that when we recorded this episode on cover songs, we thought we'd get one episode out of it. Turns out we were really wrong because we're going to get three episodes out of it. That's right. We did nearly a four hour record. And even after all the editing is through, I'm going to get three distinct episodes. So if the beginning and ends of these episodes feel truncated, you know, you'll understand why. But we still think they're pretty fun episodes where we talk a lot about music, about musicians and about the nature of cover songs. So I'm not going to keep you waiting anymore. Please enjoy the second of three episodes about cover songs. Welcome, everybody, to Second Bananas, the podcast about history's greatest Garfunkels, the clout behind the clout you didn't know about. Uh, My name is Joe. Hey, I'm Wes. And I'm Craig. And what we do here is we take a uh, person, place, or thing from history that stands in something's much larger shadow, and we talk about it. Uh, Sometimes we joke about it. Sometimes we get real serious about it. And a lot of the time, we just go on a lot of tangents. Mostly tangents. Yeah, mostly tangents. Love those tangents. I I hope our listeners do too. Uh, So speaking of tangents, we've decided to do something a little different today. Normally, what we do is one of us uh, picks a subject, does some research, makes a little outline, and then runs us through it. And the two other people can kind of interject, uh, ask questions, like bring up things we think are relevant. But today, we all decided to do something a little simpler. Uh, and pick some cover songs. Uh, we each picked three of, um, I guess, our favorite cover songs. Would you guys say these are your favorite, or how would you classify your picks? I'd say these are my most interesting cover song picks. Yeah, it's... like these are cover songs that I like, and I, I would say for the most part, I like these more than the originals. But I would say they might not be my favorite covers of all time, but they're, I think, the most interesting of the covers. Maybe nice. Yeah, it's not too far off from my methodology probably just a snapshot of the covers that stand out to me um but also they're all songs that i'm interested in both the original and in the cover uh what do you got what do you got next do you yeah. back to uh, joe okay. and no more thoughts all right i knew i had to do this song for a lot of reasons it's a leonard cohen song it's a lesser known leonard cohen song very lesser known like spotify there's only a live version um, did I name the song already? If I did not, it's called Queen Victoria. God, I, I love Leonard. Like I could just like I could like think about Leonard Cohen lyrics for years. I I I think he is like the best modern songwriter poet ever. He can say so much with so few words in all his songs and never be too um, obvious. Um, and I like this one because it's I I do have a weird fascination with Queen Victoria, sort of like. Uh, a lot of the problems we have in modern society would be a lot less exacerbated without Queen, not just Queen Victoria, but like what she represents. Yeah. Yeah. So original by Leonard Cohen. I'll play a little bit now. Queen Victoria, my father and all his tobacco loved you. I love you too in all your forms. The slim, unlovely virgin good. Yeah. Um, again, just every line is like you could spend hours analyzing it and thinking yeah. about it. What? And it says so much. Oh, man. It's Why does the, the tobacco lover? 
my father and all his tobacco loved you. Um, one of the best lines, the best lines in the whole song, uh, I think to me is that I didn't play that I'd maybe like to have in the clip. Um, I'm not much nourished by modern love, um, which sort of sets you in like who this person who's talking to Queen Victoria is. But yeah, I just, it's like both a sort of love letter to Queen Victoria. It's talking about like sex and power and love. And at the same time, it's like not a song. It's a poem. It is 100% mm-hmm. a poem. There's no chorus. Every verse starts with Queen Victoria and then it has some some stuff. And there's not even really like a strong melody to it. It's really just like, uh, it's, it, it is like a poetry piece that's been put to music, which is, again, what Leonard Cohen said all his life is that I'm not a musician. I'm a poet yeah it definitely comes through yeah you, even in that clip you can hear him like start singing or start saying a word and then he plucks the guitar string and then like matches the note that he plays with the word as he's finishing so he's kind of like tuning his vocal cords to the <laughs> guitar note that he played as he played it to like accentuate his verse it's even you think of like ancient music the way they use music in like in the amphitheater in like ancient greece and like again like knowing also that like that's that's this other dimension of like the victorians were obsessed with ancient rome and ancient greece and like they considered themselves the heirs to that legacy so there's just a lot of like recursiveness in this song that like again it's like my little mind palace i can spend all day in my mind palace that i've built out of this song Mm. That's cool. I love it when music opens up or like evokes like worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And a mindset too. like something my friend of mine and I were talking about is like that we loved the Northman, not because it was a particularly necessarily like the best movie we saw, but that it really felt like we were in like, like that ancient mindset of this sort of like given to you by the gods or whatever. Right. But it's like this song sort of puts you in a, a, a different way of sort of being in that sense it brings you back to this like atavistic 200 years ago when people still thought like your vapors would cause you to sin or whatever <laughs> west do you have i want to hear your thoughts on this song i it like so this is a song this is kind of is this supposed to be like a love letter kind of or this is from the perspective of someone who who uh worships queen victoria or wants to be by her side Am I taking it too literally or is it like a, is it supposed to be like a metaphor for something? I don't think it's necessarily a metaphor, but I think you're on to something. A like worships is a good word. And it's a, it's a very much about the sort of like the idea of Queen Victoria more than it's about a person. And it's sort of about um, all of Leonard Cohen's songs are about his girlfriend fucking somebody else. Yeah. But like, that's like, again, it's sort of through this lens of like, longing for a sort of a purity that's impossible i guess in a way so like love is mythologized much in the same way as a public figure such as a queen or a monarch might be okay yeah and i think like the idea all these like concepts like he also there's a whole verse about like uh visiting the world's fair an unwanted visitor at the world's fair because she did go to the first world's fair and uh and and then it's like heavy with correction and proverb and it's sort of like that's not someone you want to see at a world's fair, right? Like you don't want to see this like queen who's like, you're having too much sex. And, uh, you know, in the Bible, it says verse Proverbs 32, 58. Great Queen Victoria accent, by the way, Joe. That's, exa- <laughs> that's exactly what Queen Victoria sounds like. But I just like, again, it invokes like an image of this 
this person and like there's a like i'll again like i'm i i would just i would just go through every single lyric if we had time so it's there's it's not open to interpretation what the song is about per se but the lines within it have so much interpretation and and say so much but in a way that lets you like get inside them and make them your own yeah which i guess that's yeah that's what poetry's all about yeah it's cool i want her pure as power i want her skin slightly musty with petticoats i like i like that it's like challenging it's <laughs> that is challenging it's not like just pop on and go for a cruise in the old sedan or or to, like put it on at a party or something like you, you kind of fire up a spliff and like a, <laughs> a little snifter of single malt scotch or something and like talk about musty petticoats yeah let your let your mind kind of wander through the journey that the writer is obviously taking you on and especially yeah this version is is like a downer of a fucking song like it's sure. like and, and again <laughs> like even for a uh leonard cohen song it's very subdued i was expecting him to be more upbeat with this one <laughs> bring back hollow notes where's that upbeat leonard cohen we've come to know and love i feel like what you're saying what you said craig there kind of sparked something it's like the, i kind of picked this as a counterpoint to uh, i am a rifle it's very much the opposite of i am a rifle in definitely musically uh lyrically sort of like philosophically the way you approach this song is like completely the opposite of i am a rifle like as much as i am a rifle has that no no we're going to talk to you directly about this thing and we are there is no mistaking this cerebral and political and um provocative provocative in a sense whereas this is like a a lamentation and like brooding and Um, internal it's very it's a very much introspective yeah an individual's thoughts and feelings and that feeling of like and again like the mythologizing of a figure who was like a real person allegedly allegedly (laughs) for all we know she was three weasels in a trench coat any other thoughts on the original guys i mean i'm intrigued at the cover but the at the prospect of covering given what we've established or not established uh so the cover is by uh jeff burner who is a another vancouver artist um i've met him and had several conversations with him quite the character also uh and he covered this song on one of his his earlier albums that's been out for almost 20 years now uh but he did it a little differently so let's just hear it I like it way better already. Not that there's anything wrong with Leonard Cohen's version, but I just that that felt emotional. Oh yeah, big time. Like the accordion. Um, yeah. So Jeff is uh, primarily a klezmer musician, and uh, but he's also very much steeped in in the punk tradition, especially of Vancouver and the Vancouver punk scene. But um, I think like yeah, like first off, he's like operatically screaming instead of like this like leonard cohen's version is very quiet and subdued and this is like right away he's like fucking screaming her name and this is the first version i heard i hadn't heard leonard cohen's version because it's such a rare cut but i did not know it was a a leonard cohen cover until i read the liner notes of the album i was gonna say because is it a poem or is like well so he considers himself a poet he only does the music thing because he feels like that's the only way poets can make any money um, and so like, I would absolutely call this a poem and not a song and not like a song in the traditional sense. Right. But this wasn't 
this wasn't an existing poem that he had again i, I don't know uh i don't i don't live in the tower of song like he does but i would consider this like absolutely especially this one like i think you could argue that like everybody knows or hallelujah are still like songs in their traditional sense because they have like kind of a verse chorus bridge structure but that's probably been other- infused by a producer at some stage and like yeah. this one is again like and then probably what probably why it's not popular because it is just like you cannot turn it into a song it is like a poem it's like a mood piece but jeff's version takes it into m- more of a musical realm yes. with his like operatic screaming like you said or maybe you didn't use the word scream sorry that might not be the most elegant way of putting it but he's like it's it's emotional like it's i i love it it's kind of like an agonizing delivery it's like the difference between like the service at church where you're like quiet and reflecting and then like joining a bunch of flagellants and whipping yourself while you walk down the street <laughs> and i think like ironically those are both the yeah. two kind of moods of queen victoria right something occurred to me but is it like a meditation on like the victorian era in a way with all like the test tubes and science and the world's fair and the the cast iron exhibition cast iron exhibition yeah like i am dirty as the glass ceiling in a train station station. yeah all this all this imagery just came like through the lyrics Mm -hmm. that despite the person who it might be named after like the era that the that was named after the person is more of what it's evoking for me. It's it's a romantic, but not necessarily like uh, not romantic. Um, sort of like a a longing version of it that, to a certain extent, like at least like very limitedly, sees the period for what it is. Like talking about heavy with proverb and correction. Like it's not like purely like romantic, beautiful language. There's some real like looking at the sadness and the grossness of the era and sort of like the it almost like it's taking aim at like the industrial kind of world that's evolving but also like longing for it and loving it for you know it's 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 sort of like warts even if those warts are mostly like in all its many forms exactly cool oh i love shit like this it kind of reminds me and this is probably way off base but like first discovering like iron maiden and like the rhyme of the ancient mariner and like they're they're like crazy metal epic you know where they're basically taking a poem and building it into a big epic metal song but all of the themes and like the everything all the images that are evoked from all the lyrics you're just like this is great i'm in the middle of the fucking lord of the rings this is awesome one more thing before we move on because i think we should move on this song is on an album for jeff burner's version it's called the wedding dance of the widow bride there's a lot of references to um weddings and brides and doomed romances and strange romances and stuff but the widow bride song specifically so it starts off and it's sort of like it's sort of like this Machiavellian, like, oh, son, you don't you don't want a virgin. Like, you want a widow bride. You know why? Here's why. The virgin bride doesn't know how to do all this stuff. A widow bride, she knows how to do stuff. She knows what you like, right? She knows what men like. And then the last verse, it goes, my great-grandfather was seduced by Queen Victoria in the language that she used. He sort of implies, like, there was this lie of the new world, of Saskatchewan, of Canada and the U.S. being a, a, a virgin bride when actually she was a widow bride. Again, in a way, sort of tackles the stuff that this song refuses to tackle of like the colonialism of the period and the lies of the period. And and also like the way that women were viewed of sort of like either this virgin or this crone. Like the more I think about it, the more I realize they are kind of companion pieces to each other. Oh yeah. No, that's amazing. That's really cool. 
I prefer the cover. I like the percussion and the instrumentation. It's, yeah, it has definitely like a folk uh, angle to it for me, for sure, that I enjoyed. Um, yeah, so my second song, I don't enjoy the original as much as I enjoy the cover for this, but it's um, Kid Cudi, Pursuit of Happiness, which is kind of like, a, I want to say like, like early 2010s. I feel like this was a big song. Yeah. And I didn't really listen to it. <laughs> and then I heard the cover and I and I was like, this is awesome. Okay. Yeah. It got a lot um, of a lot of radio play. I remember like it was it was like one of the like whatever songs of the season, or I I feel for a while. But I yeah, I liked it. Um, but I think it was one of those songs that like because it was like whatever the it song for a while, I got so much play, and then it was just like, I don't want to hear this right now anymore. Um Yeah. So I, I had um, my like narrative with Kid Cudi was that I liked the mixtape that had like most of the tracks that ended up, I think, on his first LP, but I didn't like, I didn't listen to his first LP. And this was probably like mid 2000s, I feel like. But I mean, he wasn't, he, I guess he kind of like pioneered like the rap singing kind of thing too, alongside Drake or maybe like proto proto drake yeah but at least they they try they try to sing (laughs) so my connection to kid cuddy was through listening to that like mixtape whatever the the original like mixed man not man on the moon something whatever it was and it had a bunch of like it had the original day and night that ended up getting like the really popular remix or something and it's just good I, i just really like that mixtape for some reason um but i didn't list any kid cuddies besides that yeah i i kind of like kid cuddy but yeah so this was like a first for me i'm aware of kid cuddy but i'd never really listened to him so like yeah do we want to hear it yeah let's check it out Just dudes rocking. Dudes rocking. I still kind of like yeah, that song. Sure. Yeah. I no, it's a good song. And I think like it is Drake is so young in that video. Like he does. He looks like straight from Degrassi. Yeah. Like this was like kind of pre him blowing up musically, right? Yeah. I think Drake really, really popped off uh, right around 2010. I'm not really all that sure. I'm not plugged into it, but well, I don't want to talk too much about Drake because it's interesting because like he's not name checked in the video title and it says featuring mgmt and i was like i don't think they're in the video or if they are they're like in the background briefly like yeah i thought when i first heard and again i'm not incredibly familiar with that version but the guitar like the dual like solo-y guitar riff thing is like a really ratatat sounding oh yeah thing and i was like did they do that? And then that's not I feel like MGMT, there's a member though. of MGMT that's also in Ratatat or something like that. I'm I'm pretty sure they're or they're connected by their producer or something. Yeah, yeah. Get those two wailing guitar screaming guitar solo riffs in there so we can whatever. Yeah, very um, a very 2009 video. Both trying not to be a rap video, but also being like, but you guys know we're a rap video right like well we're gonna get the tropes in yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't you worry about that like we're elevating the rap video with but yeah it's kind of cool like a cool message i think the lyrics are strong i think he's a good songwriter yeah um that's something that i appreciate from him from what i have listened to 
of his, which is nothing in the last yeah. decade and a half. I feel like all the Kid Cudi I listened to was like mostly about smoking weed, but I never looked into the lyrics that much either. <laughs> well, and the song, even the the like sounds of it are bittersweet. Like it's a very like both like a there's like it's not quite full minor, but it's like and there's a lot of like lilting and feel like I think like like the that main like synth riff or whatever that's underneath everything is like it's kind of like the bubbles in the champagne but it's also kind of sad at the same time it's like that sad last sip of champagne at the end of the night Mm. is kind of what this song is to me you know and also obviously he's talking about snorting crushing and snorting xanax or well no he's talking about breaking up wheat he's talking about what crush crush a bit little bit roll it up take a hit which is a reference to smoking weed Oh, I thought he was like crushing up a pill and snorting it. No, much more wholesome than that. Oh, okay. All right. He's a weed guy. (laughs) Shows where my mind's at right now. (laughs) Hey, Hey, we got to get that crushing Adderall, whatever. So um, so the cover um, is significant for me for a very like specific reason. And so this cover is by an artist that I'm not familiar with outside of this um and it's a live version i think i'm not sure she recorded a version of the cover ever but she definitely like made hay touring on it <laughs> and i was exposed to it through i think the skate video is called yeah right or maybe something yeah i think it's yeah right anyways it was like a girl chocolate skate video in the mid 2010s maybe like 2015 it came out and this is when I was starting to stop skateboarding. Um, maybe like my third act of skateboarding. The fall section of the skateboarding <laughs> as opposed to the rise section. Yeah. Um, where I realized that I would rather do all the other things that I can do with my body while it still lasts instead of <laughs> while, it's, while it's still intact. Yeah. Monopolize my health with that one. Activity. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, I mean, to be fair, it's a very fun activity, but... The highs are high and the lows are low. Yeah, and this skate video was like an absolute sensation and it was like the biggest production value. And I think they had like an opener, like a drone shot for the opener of the skate video where like everybody who's in the video is in the opener and they have like all their cues and it's just one shot like across this California uh schoolyard with everyone doing their tricks on their rails and they're this and that and it's just a big impressive production and i'm pretty sure spike jones is like producing the skate video (laughs) so it's got like so much so much budget that it's insane and one of the sections is this uh lissy version of pursuit of happiness and so i just really enjoyed it a lot more than the original but also i just really enjoyed it as it was in like the time and place that i encountered it right and so i I kind of attach a bit of nostalgia to it because of that and there was also yeah whatever else was going on in my life at that time it's wrapped up in that a little bit along with other Mm -hmm. stuff from that time but this cover in particular and like the whole you know everything that shines ain't always going to be gold and the idea of pursuing happiness when there's so much else in the world that feels like it drags you away from happiness and like it's easy to let your life get watered down with all of everything else that's going on um but ultimately all you can really do is try to be happy i think that's a journey that a lot of people 
but don't even get a chance to start before their life is already like kind of past them. Yeah. Um, which is a little bit bittersweet in itself, right? Like there is a bittersweet element just to the, the song itself, to the idea of pursuing happiness. Or they've already got happiness. They just can't get untied from like whatever the pursuit of more happiness. Or the... it, well, exactly. That's what I mean. Chasing the dragon. And that's, and that's the dark side of that. Well, and, and sort of like happiness is something that you think you can it, have eternally, but it, like happiness is kind of a moment. Mm-hmm. And like, again, if you were always in that moment, it would cease to have the meaning it did. Yes. Again, the chasing of the high, that first high right. of whether it's drugs or like actual happiness or like, you know, doing the thing you've always wanted. Yeah. Converging circumstances into a moment a singular moment that is gone as soon as it occurs, like exactly like you said. And you, you would never, although it seems like in that moment you would want it to last forever, you wouldn't because you stop being as stimulated by whatever that convergence of factors, right? So it's very much a snapshot of, yeah, that kind of moment, which is beautiful. Yeah. All right. You want to hear it? Yeah. And then we, we can move straight on from there. I don't have a ton to say. Well, I think it. Wes might have thoughts, but, but let's hear it. If, if you do, Wes, by all means. I might. I'll be fine once I get it I'll be good I like it. Yeah. I feel like yeah, that has so much energy for like a live show. Like you can just yeah. you can just picture the whole crowd like putting up their middle fingers and saying like fuck that when that lyric exactly. like, comes up. Yeah. Like there's a it's a good call and response and a good t- it's a total mood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think I like this one better than than the the original. It's I don't know, it's got like the the it's got the the droning kind of like melody that I don't know, just like it's very it's like emo in a way, but like a whimsical kind of emo. <laughs> and it, I think it, encap- it encapsulates one of my favorite things about a good cover is when the covering artist like takes it and makes it, makes it their own. And just yeah, kind of like, totally. This is mine now. <laughs> yeah, I this in a way, is, I think it's delightful. Yeah. When, when artists do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I really like that too, because it, it definitely has its own, its own vibe to it. Um, yeah really good yeah all right wes your second song second song for my second pick i chose uh the song common people which was originally performed by pulp which they are they're like uh they are, they are british okay. you don't need yeah. to explain pulp to me okay <laughs> kind of the brit pop band maybe like like i guess blur is blur is more famous than they are but blur is not really a brit pop band strictly yeah in the same way well i but, i yeah. i'm trying to think of like so so what were the other big big brit pops because i'm sure i had, i was trying to think of any because i i was sure i had heard of like other ones like what, what that sound is but i just again blur is the act i associate but they or even like you could argue that oasis they're not really a brit pop band but they're from that era and that same like again like group of bands i guess but yeah i don't know what real i still don't have a good grasp on what brit pop actually is i'm sure people are screaming at the podcast right now being like you fucking idiots like yeah craig you want to weigh in here you got an idea you got you got something to say um i mean genre wise like i can describe how brit pop makes me feel but 
I, yeah, I mean, I think those are kind of the big ones that come to mind for me too. I mean, Oasis was definitely like later in like the Britpop evolving into like what it was post 2000, I would say, which would be different. I'm not sure if that's a agreed upon inflection point, like blur. And I mean, the verve, the verve was kind okay. of okay. Britpop. But the Verve is also like really awesome in a way that I don't think a lot of Britpop is. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like, yeah, I feel like like the thing about Britpop was all of the exceptional bands kind of broke the mold of it. Whereas like a lot of the bands that are like, oh, this is what like that were sort of like then like whatever, like and again, they're not necessarily bad bands, but, but they just blend into the background. Yeah, of, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the Britpop, Britpop is known by for me. Britpop is known by the like absolutely blockbuster sensation like Oasis or something. Right. And then like the bands that were like, all right, this is our bread and butter. And like, we're going to do this thing really amazingly. Or like, this is an amazing album yeah. that completely redefines the genre and actually becomes its own genre. And now we're not Britpop anymore. Surprise. And, like even like other than the Verve and Oasis and even like Blur to a certain extent. All of these bands are bands, bands. They're bands that other they're really influential to other bands. And like once you know them, you realize how many other bands, like Pulp, I think is a good example of like so many bands like were deeply inspired by Pulp. But like I guess Pulp is the big one too. But like a lot of these other bands, like Afghan Wigs, I think is one where I always hear bands talking about them, but I was never like a huge fan of them. Mm. Or like they were never big. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I didn't listen to a lot of a lot of Britpop. Or well, what about this song, Wes? How did you like? Wh- what brought you to this song, and, and what made you love it? Um, yeah, I kind of thought it was kind of like a fun, catchy song. So I, I I do like the original, and then the cover uh, by William Shatner I thought was really fun because it uh, it, it really it Shatnerifies the pulp version, but then it kind of also like adds some like fun kind of like pop punk rock vibes to it I, like, the, the ben folds is all over this song and like 100 and that's probably why i like it i'm a big ben folds fan and i think he produced the whole album uh yes he did what was i can't remember the name of the album that this is on but she, has been has been it's, yeah that, uh, that was the one and it was and, i think one of his old only albums that maybe got some uh, like acclaim but yeah well i don't want to i i would like to uh get through the pulp original before because i have a lot of thoughts uh, i'm glad you picked this one because the the cover and that album are one of my favorite albums so let's hear pulp by common people we'll watch the video together Yeah, it's a fun song. I I Fantastic. I like I quite like the original. It's uh yeah, it's got a lot of stuff I like. It's catchy melody. I yeah. I love I like the song. I the cover is my favorite. I think the video, I like a lot of things about the video. I, again, wonderful written song, wonderful song about same thing as Rich Girl. I think done better in certain ways than Rich Girl. I'll see um, what I can do. Yeah, like a, a much more modern like the whole like referencing a, a, a snobby English college talking about the fact that she's studying sculpture like like again something that only a fucking rich person can do but like I just the, the thing about pulp themselves is like even the lead singer just like all the ironic distance just 
fucking pisses me off. Yeah. They want to keep their arms length. Like yeah. we don't care about this enough to actually open up. We don't want to look uncool. Totally. And even when we look uncool, we want you to know we're aware that we look uncool and we're doing it on purpose. Exactly. Again, dumb little nitpick, but yeah. No, no, I completely get that. It's tough to, um, you know, part of the thing about Britpop was that it was supposed to be partly a response to like how popular alternative rock and grunge music was in America. And so this Mm -hmm. was like part of a larger thing that was more kind of a media manufacturing thing. This was post selling out. Like this was post the big sellout, right? Right. And so there's this like, you know, this is how uh, British pop rock band does like an ironic tune with like all this. It's very polished. The video has obviously got production value. They're like, all right, well, the first verse is set in the supermarket. So we'll just have you in an oversized uh, <laughs> buggy in the, in the aisle of the supermarket. I thought the props and graphics were pretty good. They were. They're, no, they're great. They're great. But you, the producer who's like, all right, like this is what's going to go down in the music video. Uh, I guess this it is-, is very literal. Like, even when he's talking about what she's saying, they've got like a girl saying all those lines instead of him. And he just sits there and like, choose his fingernail. Yeah, exactly. And again, like, I think they really like, they commit to that. Like everyone, all the extras dancing around the band are like doing this listless, like hipster shuffle. You know, they all look kind of bored. They have bad wigs on. So like, I admired the full commitment to that, but it's still just like, it's not my aesthetic, but it's delightful. I like scathing, scathing, yeah, scathing commentary. Um, but yeah, the William Shatner version. Yeah. Is... Do we want to hear the William Shatner version? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Watching roaches climb the wall. If you called your dad, he could stop it all. Yeah. You'll never live like common people. Oh man, so many layers to this fucking. They care cover. about it. The choir, yeah. the whole choir showed up. Oh, they it's must just care. the choir. The way he like goes from like, oh, Shatner talk to like screaming, like you climb yeah. the walls. Like oh, he's so yeah. fucking good. You like, can tell he is loving every second of that record. And then <laughs> counterpointing his fucking talking and screaming with like Ben Folds with the voice of a pop punk angel is just like. Mwah. oh this song is like this song is like a little perfect piece of music it's so good i love it yeah Wes, i should let you talk about it because it's your song but no like- no you you could you're commenting better than i would but i i i love it for the same reasons you do but I, yeah especially like because it starts with just shatner and then like yeah midway through is it ben folds and joe cocker i think that are both on the track or is it just uh jarvis cocker yeah i think i don't know but he's not on the shatner version i thought that was him was it in that one verse where it's like an English act, maybe not. I don't know. Oh, it could be, but yeah, the way that it just all like comes together at the end, and he's still still doing his like spoken word thing, and he's uh, rocking out, and then the choir comes in. It's it's elevated to something that I quite like, and it does a lot with what the original did. Like you said, like yeah, you you felt like the original one's kind of like holding back when it gets to the chorus. Like yeah, you kind of want it to really take off, like it does in in that one. So. Yeah, show us you care, lads. Go on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Shatner cares. He cares. You can't stop caring. He cares maybe too much. Dial it back, Shatner. Again, like we've got two songs about this shit on this list because it's like su- it must be such a common experience for artists, you know, like especially musicians uh, in sort of these like post sixties to like 
be starving and then just have to be around rich people all the fucking time. You people know? whose job is to earn not their job. They don't need a job. <laughs> They're professional like scenesters, people who don't need to work, but who do because they're like, well, I need to do something. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. But they're just kind of like, like, you know, I thought I'd see what film was like or whatever. (laughs) Uh, I spent $40,000 to be here and I almost didn't. I almost quit the industry because I couldn't afford my rent. Yeah, exactly. And like, and these 13 hour days for the last four weeks are actually almost killing me. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's kind of like, well, <laughs> that's great that you can use this as your like gap year or whatever. I don't a fun know. Fun learning experience. <laughs> but yeah, the theme, obviously the thematic overlap with the first song that I picked definitely stood out when we mm-hmm. when I was listening through all the picks. I was like, oh, awesome. I'm like, I forgot about this song. And I had no idea that William Shatner got involved, which is amazing. This whole album that this is on has been is probably one of my favorite albums. I rock it all the time. It's, it's a great album. Um, and it's, it's such a, like, there's so many different songs. Like there's common people. The title track has been is all about him being a has been, but also kind of like making fun of people who call him a has been. And it's like, well, what have you fucking done? There's a song about a guy whose wife drowns just after they get married. What is that? Didn't that happen to his wife? Yeah, no, I think it's semi-autobiographical. Okay. Um, and then there's a song yeah. about a guy. It's called That's Me Trying. It's about a guy who is an awful dad and is estranged from his daughter, but is trying to explain, like, when you see me do these half-assed things, I'm not trying to hurt you or make fun of you. I'm. This is me trying to be a better dad. And it's like, yeah, there's, like, really tender ones. And then he has a song on this with Henry fucking Rollins, and they're just screaming. And they're screaming about SUVs and about the gods and again like i think the best songs on this album are when he's with somebody else like it's like it, common people it's like the contrast with ben folds is like super musicality and like i can't get behind that is two guys that basically just shout yeah yeah <laughs> and the it's like a bass and bongo drums and that's all the instrumentation there is <laughs> amazing so i don't want to get too off the rabbit hole but it is a it is a beautiful track and i recommend everyone check out this album and Henry Rollins' yeah. wheelhouse is definitely gripes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get behind that. I can't get behind. Oh my god, this song. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, awesome. Nice pick. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks. You guys added a lot to that. <laughs> Hey listeners, Joe again. Hope you liked that episode on cover songs. I'm trying not to sound like the fucking end of a YouTube video, but if you have cover songs you like, why not tell us about them? Email is secondbananaspod at gmail.com or you can DM us on Twitter or Instagram. We're at the number two bananas pod on both platforms. Yeah, that really did sound like a fucking YouTube end video. So you know what? I'm going to let you go, but thank you again. And hopefully we'll see you for episode three of cover songs coming next month.